Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. One of the children should just give us like a summary of what we discussed last time. So, Bethel. together and learn from it that it will um, affect our lives um, over the next few weeks and um, that it really speaks to us this evening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now Abigail, tell us from your own summary what you learned. From last week. What's wrong with Abigail's notes? No, we have got them. Um, so, well, Judas was, in verse 47 and 48, um, Judas is betraying Jesus with a kiss. And, of where? Oh, Luke 22. Okay. Um, Jesus is betraying Jesus with a kiss, and um, it was only so they could arrest him. Um, so it teaches you that I should point Jesus out to other people, but so that they can come to know him and um, accept him, not for negative reasons. And um, it's kind of like what John did, John the Baptist did in John 1 verse 36. He said, uh, Behold the Lamb of God. Uh, he takes away the sins of the world. So I should kind of do that with the way I live and the way I speak. And um, also in uh, John 1, verse 37 to 39, uh, Jesus asked the two disciples what they wanted, and um, they just asked where he was staying. So... Um, because they aim to be with God, and that was their aim in life. So I should kind of spend my time uh, with God um, so I can get to know him better as well. And, yeah, that's it. Are you finished? Yeah. Can anybody add to that, please? Any of the other kids? Better, can you add to that? So, some of what I learned was the things Abigail's, that when Jesus kissed Jesus, all he wanted to do was to Jesus to be handed over. He wasn't loving him, he wasn't 
being like a servant to him. Uh, so that teaches me that the all the devil wants is for Jesus to be away from me, and this has never changed. And also, every time I disobey God, I betray him because he saved me, and if I go against him, that will be betraying him. I should be careful to always do what he says. Okay. Any other admissions? Additions? Somewhere? Um, well, when we were looking at John 1, uh, the, uh, Jesus asked the disciples uh, what they wanted from him because they were following him uh, because John pointed him out to them. So, uh, because Jesus said that, I should also be asking myself uh, what I'm seeking for with Jesus. Um, I shouldn't just be following him for no reason. I should be uh, kind of wanting to have a close relationship with him. And that was kind of what the disciples wanted. They wanted to be close to him and they wanted to stay with him. Uh, so I should want a close relationship with Jesus. Okay. Um. So I think that's kind of a summary of what we looked at last time. And um, we'll just continue in that story we have been studying. So we'll read Luke chapter 22. This time, let's just take it from, just for continuity, let's start from verse 47 down to verse 53. Again, I know we've read it before. Let's read it again and remind ourselves so that we can take our study from there. So, somebody from the Salido house, Salido family, can you read verse 47 to 53 for us? Luke 22. Jesus to answer 
before they struck with the sword. Did you see that? They asked a question. I thought that they would have waited for Jesus to say, don't strike. My kingdom is not of this world. I thought they would wait, but they did not wait. Does it happen to you? You already have what you are going to do in your mind. But you are asking God, God, should I do this? Do you, do you see that? That at times you already have resolved in your mind that you are going to do something. But you want God or Jesus to rubber stamp it for you. You've already made up your mind. Peter had already made up his mind that I'm going to slice this man's head off. Or whoever was there asking that question. Lord, should we fight? We have swords here. And, you know, it just shows us again the human nature. We want to plaster our own selfish decisions, our own selfish will, with God's will or God's word. We want to plaster it. But that is not how to follow Jesus. When you when you ask Jesus a question, or you are asking Jesus for direction, you are asking Jesus so that you can truthfully and honestly obey what he says. Because in this story, they had already decided that we are going to fight. Then decided that we are going to fight. So asking Jesus was just a religious practice. They normally would ask Jesus before they do something. And because Jesus was there, they asked him. And it just shows the like I said, it just shows the human nature. Human nature wants to do its own thing, but give it a godly or a religious or a Jesus quoting. Give it a Jesus covering. So that you can feel happy with yourself. But that's not how we have to follow Jesus. So that question, Lord, shall we strike? There was no answer. But they did it anyway. And that teaches me that when I sincerely ask Jesus a question, I should wait for the answer. I should wait to hear him. Um, Brotoni, Sister Better, we are, we are looking at Luke chapter 22. We are just continuing our study from last time. Luke 22, we read verse 47 down to 53. So, we see there. Yes. Um, I'm a bit intrigued about the swords generally. I mean, verses, verses, what is it, 35 to 30, 38? Yeah. 35 to 38. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, Jesus doesn't, but Jesus sets them up, basically, doesn't he? Yes. He sets them up. And um, 
Why? Why? What, what point is he trying to make? I've got a feeling he's, he might be trying to make a point about weapons mm. uh, and, and the use of any type of weapons, spiritual weapons, yes. not necessarily physical weapons. Yes. Have you got anything to say about... Well, yes, so if you look at from that perspective, um, he, he asked them, he said, when I sent you without money, knapsack, sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now, he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack, he who has no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. For I say to you, that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was and the scripture was quoting, and it was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now, if you look at that scripture, you notice that Jesus was trying to establish a principle. First of all, Earlier on in their walk with Jesus, Jesus had sent them out and told them, you don't need to take food for your journey, money for your journey, extra sandals for your journey. And Jesus was now asking them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? They answered nothing. Jesus was trying to tell them then that actually I am your sustenance. Everything you need for any assignment I'm sending you to, you do not get it yourself. A soldier does not go to war on his own expense. A soldier goes to war on the expense of the person who sent him. That is why soldiers now, they will not, all their weapons, their uniforms, all the equipment they will use for that battle or for that war they are being sent into, is provided for. Because soldiers put their lives on the line, their accommodation is sorted out. A soldier doesn't go to war and he's he's worried about where he's going to stay everything is catered for it's the same thing for a christian soldier so jesus was trying to emphasize here that they did not lack anything now but look at verse 36 now jesus said to them this is now that's when jesus was talking he says has money bag, let him take it. Likewise, a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garments and buy one. That is very, 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 very crucial. Jesus was not talking about the physical sword here. Oh, because if it was the physical sword, Jesus would not be telling them, go and sell your garment. To buy his sword. Jesus 
was talking about the spiritual sword. Because if you look at it, the next verse said, For I say to you, that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. What is written, please? Spiritual principles. Spiritual guidance. Spiritual insight. That represents the spiritual soul. Jesus was not talking about physical soul there. They misunderstood Jesus. He was not talking about going to go and fight. If you are going to fight spiritually, you don't use physical soul to fight a spiritual battle. You need spiritual soul. That's why he told them, do everything, even if it means selling your garments. What does selling your garments mean? Even if you need to inconvenience yourself. Even if you need to, you need to um, do, even if you need to inconvenience yourself to the point whereby you need to get the word of God. is very important. Do you remember that scripture in Proverbs? It says, buy the truth and sell it not. We need to do everything to get the word of God. The problem the disciples had was that they did not understand that Jesus, even when Jesus explained to them, they didn't get the insight that Jesus needed to go to the cross to die for their sins. That spiritual truth is so fundamental in our Christian journey. Once you don't understand it, following Jesus becomes empty religion. So when Jesus is saying that let him, he who has no sword, how are you a Christian and you do not have a sword, spiritual sword? How are you a Christian and you do not carry the only offensive weapon to fight the enemy? How? How are you, you call it, how are you a Christian and you want to face the enemy? Because as a Christian, the day you were recruited as a Christian, the day you gave your life to Christ, you were recruited into the battle of the Lord. And you don't fight the enemy with a, a sword. A physical sword. You fight the enemy with a spiritual sword, which is the word of truth. And Jesus had to caution them. Are you here? You don't have a sword. That's very bad. You need to go and sell. Because having no sword is a very bad situation. You need, it says, let him sell his garment. Meaning that you need, even if it means to inconvenience yourself, you need to search. You need to get that sword. You need it. Um, let me just, I don't mean literally. When he was saying, sell your garment. He's not saying physically go and become naked. He's saying, a, a garment is a necessity, isn't it? Your clothes are a necessity for you. You cannot walk 
naked. But your sword is more than a necessity than your clothes. That's what Jesus was saying here. Do you get what I'm saying? Jesus is saying, you cannot live without the sword. You cannot survive spiritually without the sword of truth. That is what Jesus is saying here. And so, when the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not, it means, you, the sword we are talking about, the sword of the Spirit, you don't pick it up on the street. You need to engage with God. You need to sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, teach me your word. In that sense, you are giving up something, you are giving up your time, you are giving up your, your comfort so that you can get the spiritual insight or the spiritual truth, which is the sword of the Spirit. They misunderstood Jesus here. Jesus did not mean go and go and start getting my uh, sword so that we can fight. Jesus don't need them to fight. Remember what Jesus told them? He said, if I wanted, all I need is to ask my father for a legion. Look at the people that came to arrest Jesus. How many were there? And, and Jesus disposal. He has a legion of angels. In fact, a legion is too much. One angel will just come and cough. And all those people will collapse. <laughs> Jesus wanted to demolish those who came to arrest him. A snap of the finger. He just said, Father, can you just send, come and stand for me here? It's nothing with Jesus. Jesus does not, Jesus would not use physical human beings to fight for him. The Almighty God is far, 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 far more than enough to come and stand for him. And this is a lesson for us as well. Look at the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. How many, how much fighting did they do to, to be released from the bond from, from of Egyptians? How much? These were helpless people who did not have any military might, but God stood for them. When they needed to cross the Red Sea, and the hosts, armies of Egyptians were chasing them, how much army, how much, what was the army of Israel, and the, the, the Egyptians perished in the, in the Red Sea? How, where was the army there? You know, this is a very poignant lesson for all of us that God is more than enough to stand for us. And the God with all his infinite wisdom can use anything. And it's, this, what we are saying here is consistent with scriptures. You see it again and again and again and again. Do you remember Gideon? When Gideon was going to fight the 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 Midianites. Gideon had three hundred men, and I thought, okay, let the three hundred men carry weapons at least. They carried a pitcher, 
with light in it and a trumpet. Does that sound like weapons to you? And they were going to face millions of numbered hosts. 300. It just shows again that all we need to get is the spiritual sword of truth. That is what we need. And it is more, it is as necessary or even more necessary than the garments or the clothes you are wearing. That's what Jesus was trying to emphasize there. So, Jesus was just talking about um, the spiritual sword of truth. If you read that whole scripture in context. I've seen my, some of my brethren you know, in Nigeria, when we have when we had religious riots and all that, I remember some of our, some of our brothers. I can I can remember one brother in particular when the when religious fighting was going on, he just came and opened the scripture. I will not forget. He said, "Brothers, we need to get our own weapons." <laughs> I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Ah, we need to fight too, because Jesus said." Swords is enough. And I, I told him, I said, bro, please, let's sit down and study this scripture closely. You cannot fight a spiritual battle because it's a spiritual battle we are facing. You can't fight it with guns and with swords. I know Christians have quoted this, meaning that you should fight and defend yourself. I'm going to start killing people. But that's not the message. So, I don't know if I've been able to shed some light there. Or does anybody have any other contributions to that, please? Is this says in the word of God that his sword is like a two double agent sword anyway. So yes. it's the most effective weapon against anyone that's what we as Christians we need to uh have that kind of sword so that anyone who will attack us we have the word of God so that we will know how to answer people as well. It's so important. You know, I just love the emphasis Jesus gave. He said, He said, anyone, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. The sword of the spirit in a man's life is as important, if not more important, than clothes you put on your back. It's so crucial. We cannot afford to go, should I use the word, swordless. You can't afford it. Spiritually, you cannot afford not to carry your sword. That's what Jesus is saying here. And look at everything Jesus, even for Jesus, for him to go to the cross, he had to hold his sword. 
He had to resist people mocking and jeering at him. In our study, we will see some of the things they told Jesus. So let's go back to that um, arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. <sighs> sorry. Dominic, you're welcome. So yes, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm slightly light. No, 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 no problem. We are, we are looking at um, um, Luke chapter 22. Okay. So verse 47 to 53. We are, we are continuing. Okay. 47 to 53. Yes. 47 to 53. Okay. So verse 50. And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his head right here. Um, you know, as again not we've talked about this before if you remember people need our spiritual ear to hear god but at times what happens is that the enemy wants to attack your spiritual hearing for this servant of the high priest I know it was one of the disciples that did this to him, cutting off his ear. But let's remember that the enemy is not sitting down. He doesn't want you and me to hear God. So anything he will do to cut off the ritual ear, he will do it. I know this is the servant of the high priest. So his ear was cut off physically. But I don't want us to just gloss over that scripture. It just reminds me, it's a pointer to my heart again, that the enemy does not want you and me to hear God spiritually. So your spiritual ear, ear the spiritual ear of your heart needs to be sensitive. The spiritual ear of your heart, your inner man, needs to be sensitive to the dealings of God upon your life. You know, as we study to us again and again, I'm seeing how gracious God is. Look at Jesus. This man's spirit, let's assume, this man's spiritual ear was cut off. Immediately, Jesus healed it. That is our gracious God for you. God is so merciful that as we engage in his word, as you bring your heart and you want to hear him, even if your spiritual ear is off, you will stop. Jesus is not intending, the Lord is not intending to deal with somebody who is, whose spiritual ear is not sensitive and alive. So he will come and restore it. That is the hope I have. I even pray again and again, Lord, is it that I'm not hearing you? If I'm not hearing you, please help me. Help my heart. Help my spiritual sensitivity so I can hear you. And honestly, God is gracious. He comes again and again and again. At times, he comes once, 
he comes more than once he comes more than twice to leave himself on things he has told you that you might not have heard before he will come and repeat it again that is our gracious and merciful faithful god he's interested in your spiritual hearing it was as if when they cut off this high priest servant's ear jesus said ah how do you want him to hear me <laughs> please, 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 please immediately he healed it that's jesus and he will do it for you he's so he wants you you keep you hear jesus say it all let him who has an ear let him hear do you hear jesus repeat himself using that phrase he's interested in your spiritual hearing and my spiritual hearing So we see Jesus here in verse 51. Jesus answered. So Jesus told the, the disciples, he said, permit even this. Let go. We need to permit this. And the Bible said, he touched his ear and healed him. The reason why Jesus told the disciples to back down was because this is just a fulfillment of the scriptures this is the word of god coming to pass he who has not been listening to god will not know when the word of god is coming to pass he who has not been engaging with the scriptures with the word of god will not know when the word of god is coming to pass now Look at verse. So Jesus healed the man, the, the servant's ear. Verse 52. Then Jesus said to the chiefs, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him. Now, this is what we want to focus on. Look at what Jesus said. Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. We want to discuss that very quickly. They came to arrest Jesus, but they could not do it before now. But Jesus first of all challenged them. He said, who exactly do you come to arrest? Did you come to arrest a robber? Did you come to arrest a rebellious man? Did you come to arrest a terrible person? That's why you brought physical weapons. Is that who you came to arrest? And you see, again and again, because the chief priests, they don't know Jesus. Of course, their perception of Jesus will be different. And that's why Jesus first of all challenged them. I am not a robber. I am not one who has come to cause trouble for anybody. I actually brought life. But you have come to arrest me. And Jesus highlighted that every time he has been with them in the temple, 
look at what he said at the end. He said, This is your hour. And you know, as I thought about that, he said, This is your hour and the power of darkness. Anytime men want to constrain or push the light of life out, what happens automatically, please? Darkness comes. Anytime Jesus wants to shine forth and you want to ask him, what I mean by that, you want to stifle the light. Anytime you, you are in a room where there's light and you cover the light, what I mean by that is you, you indirectly want to arrest the light. What happens? Darkness comes. That's why Jesus said, this is your eye. And the eye is talking about is the power of darkness. Now, let us let us look at um, other scriptures to try and explain this truth. I want us to go to John chapter 13. John 13. When um, Judas was going to get up from the table when they were eating to go and betray Jesus. Look at it. I want us to read from verse um, just for context, let's read from verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in it. So John chapter 13 from verse 21. When Jesus said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask, Wait, of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, for some thought, because Jesus had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should go and give them to the poor. Verse 30. Having received the piece of bread, he, Judas, then went out immediately, and it was night. Do you see the condition in which Judas went out? The Bible said he received the piece of bread from Jesus and he went out immediately. And it was night. Judas did not go out into light. Judas went out into darkness. That is what happens when you betray Jesus. When you betray Jesus, when you set your mind to betray Jesus, 
you don't go out into light, you go out into darkness. So when Jesus told those chief priests, the captain of the guards, and all those people that came to arrest him, he told them, he said, your hour has come, the power of darkness. When Jesus is being betrayed in any man's life, you are creating an avenue of spiritual darkness. Look at Judas here. Judas has set his mind up. He had made up his mind. I need to betray Jesus to get these 30 pieces of silver. Even when Jesus was prodding his heart, he made up his mind. So Jesus told him, what you want to do, do it quickly. So he got up. Why did the Bible say, and it was night? Why should the Holy Spirit record that section for us? It's so that you will understand that every time you betray Jesus and you don't do the right thing, you are stepping into darkness. That's what I see there. And we must take note. The reason why we must take note of this is so that we understand the situation. When you step into darkness, you can't see anything. When you step into darkness, you can't see the way. You will stumble. And you will keep stumbling. Until light comes. And the understanding God wants me and you to have is that we must be careful. We must watch out so that we don't put ourselves in this situation. It's like when you betray Jesus, you step into darkness, and from then on, if you don't get light immediately, you will keep stumbling. And the stumbling continues. The betrayal continues. Look at David. David did the wrong thing. In a sense, he also betrayed Jesus. But when he when he when he took in Bathsheba and she became pregnant, what happened next? The next thing was he wanted to cover up the power of darkness. He was in the dark. What did he do? He now organized to kill Ruiah darkness. You see, darkness gives birth to darkness. What David, what David did allowed his military commander to perpetuate evil. If you read the account, Joab was not meant to do something in the military on the ground, on the, on the battlefield. But he did it. He did the wrong thing. But he covered up his, his, his misbehavior with David's misbehavior. So he went and I think the Bible said he went close to the, to the enemy. And he suffered some form of defeat. So they sent the message to David. And David said, why did you go close to the wall? <laughs> and then immediately... Joab answered, 
liar, your servant is dead. Maybe we should read that scripture. So I don't paraphrase it too much. Um, let me look for it. So, Second Samuel. Yeah. Second Samuel 11. If you go to Second Samuel 11, from verse so david had already sent for uriah and david had written a letter to joab and told him in verse 14 let me read it from verse 14 second samuel 11 in the morning it happened that david wrote a letter to joab and sent it by hand by the hand of uriah he wrote a letter saying Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew they were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab and some of the people of the servants of David fell. And Uriah died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war and charged the messenger, saying, When you are finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and says to you, Why did you approach the city so near when you fought? Did you not know that they will shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? Was he not a woman who cast a piece of a millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Tebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. Do you understand what's going on there? According to military um, technique or military um, strategy, the Israelites, once they see a war, they needed to be strategic with their fighting. But Joab threw all those military caution into the air. He just sent men to go and fight. But he did that under the cover of a dangerous instruction that David sent. David had given an instruction. He said, put Uriah in the hottest part of the battle and withdraw from him so that he can be killed. When Joab read that letter, he knew that David wanted Uriah to die. Do you see how darkness prevails? So, Joab now did also a wrong thing. And he knew that David would be offended. But to cover up his tracks, he just told David, 
in case he told the servant or the messenger in case david gets annoyed that we went through the wall tell him where the, your servant is dead darkness gives birth to darkness but on the opposite side light gives birth to light you understand when you do the right thing when the light of christ is shining through you what god is allowing what god will allow to do through your life is that he will encourage light also to come out it works both ways So you notice here that when the hour of darkness came and they arrested Jesus, what happened next? If we, let's go back to that um, Luke chapter twenty-two. When they arrested Jesus, do you see what happened next? The next story you have. Look at verse 54. Having arrested him, that's Jesus, they led him away and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. You see? When the hour of darkness comes, it stops other, it can stop other believers, other disciples from following Jesus closely. They had arrested the Lord. They had arrested Jesus, the Savior. And it was already the dark hour of darkness. When you want to shout the light of God, when you want to cover the light of the world, it automatically leads to other people entering darkness. And before you know it, they too will begin to trip and stumble. Look at how Peter, immediately they arrested Jesus. When Jesus was there with them, he was close to Jesus, isn't it? He was near Jesus. But they have not arrested him. And what do you have? He now followed Jesus from afar. That is what happens. Darkness gives birth to darkness. Darkness can never give birth to light. That's why me and you, we need to be careful. In our walk with Jesus, let's know that the more you keep walking close to Jesus, the more you walk close to light, light gives birth to light. And as you, as you challenge your heart to keep close to Jesus, you will be close to light. And by God's grace, light comes out of your life, you will be challenging people to live like Christ. That is the flip side. But the other side is that if you decide to start walking in darkness, automatically you encourage darkness. What Judas did led Peter to also deny Jesus. He started following Jesus from afar. He, had, he now had the opportunity to say, no, I don't know Jesus. Why? Because he was following Jesus from afar. When you
you follow Jesus from afar, that's what happens. You will deny him. You will betray him. The fire of the Lord and the passion for Jesus that needs that needs to be in your life because you are now following following Jesus from afar. That's what happens. So we are going to pray, and the prayer point is very simple. Lord, help me that by your grace I consciously do not betray you because the consequences are obvious to me. There are consequences. And it's those consequences we must be aware of. Let's don't think when you misbehave, it's only you that is affected. Other people are affected. But you do the right thing and live like Jesus. Other people are also affected positively. That is the power of godliness. There is the power of darkness. But there is also a power of godliness. The power of godliness affects people to the point that they too want to follow God. They too want to be close to Jesus. There is power in godliness. The Bible says, in the last days, people shall have a form of godliness, but deny the power. When you live in hypocrisy, you can have a form, you can have a, a similitude of following Jesus, but the power is not there. And that's what we must take note of. You know, when we talk about these things, it challenges me. Let me show you, I, I'm sure you know it, but let, let's just remind ourselves. If you go down to John, John 20, is it John 20 now? John 21, sorry. That is why following Jesus, it either encourages others it encourages us that when you don't follow Jesus, it doesn't encourage you to do the same thing. Look at it. From verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they confessed. Take note of what Peter said in verse 3. Peter did not say, You guys, let's go and fish. Was that what Peter said? Peter only said, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we are going also with you. Excuse me, can you too also challenge other Christians? Brethren, I want to go reach out to souls. 
don't you think that statement will encourage others to say, let's go, I'll go with you. But the same thing happens also in the opposite. If you take a step into disobedience, you can quietly encourage others to do the same. You don't even need to tell them, let's go and do it. You just go. That's what Peter did here. Peter decided, he said, I'm going to fish. He did not tell them and say, you guys, what are we doing here? Let's go and fish. All Peter said was, I'm going to fish. And what happened? We have Nathaniel, one, the sons of them, the James and John, two, three, three, three two other disciples. Hmm? Five. Was it five? Yes. Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. So five of them decided to follow Peter. Oh, sorry, six. Thomas was there. No, including, I think just eight. Because it is Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, yeah. uh, sons of Zebedee, so that's James and John, and two, so seven. Okay. Yeah, seven of them in total. But six people decided to follow Peter without Peter inviting them. That's the issue. That is the power me and you have in influencing brethren. None of them said, hang on, Peter. Remember, we left fishing to follow the master. We left this business to follow Jesus. Let us keep following Jesus. None of them challenged Peter. They said, we are going with you. I thought someone like John would have said, hang on, guys. Peter, excuse me. Do you remember when the master called us away to go and fish for men? We are meant to be fishing for men. He didn't say go and catch fish. <laughs> but we are going back to our old ways. None of them challenged him. None of them said, um, Mr. Peter, do you remember we are now fishers of men, not fishers of fish. So we are going to pray, God help me to be a positive influence in the body of Christ. That's the prayer. Lord, keep me focused so that as I keep growing in the use of God, I am able to affect others for you. And I trust that the Lord will help us as we give our hearts to this. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's go to our prayer request. So Come and join Pastor George's Bible Study at 8 p.m. 